You're listening to Tatiana Is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. And hello, dear listeners. It has been so long. Thank you so much for your patience while we took a break over this summer. We've been very busy and we just got back from Dragon Con, which is a Comic-Con type of a convention that takes place in Atlanta every year. And at Dragon Con this year, Chris was actually on a panel talking about Dollhouse and Orphan Black. They focused primarily on how each of the shows talks about identity, but they covered other topics as well. And we have a recording of that panel for you to listen to. This was my first time trying to record a panel using this particular recording setup. It didn't turn out as great as I had hoped. They did not at this particular panel have the people who were making comments or questions in the audience. They did not have those people miked. So sometimes those people are very difficult to understand. I'm sorry about that. But you can understand the panelists pretty well. And I think there's some interesting discussion here. So this is not a typical episode of Tatiana is everyone. I apologize, but we are back. We will be producing more typical episodes of the podcast soon. We missed you all, but we hope that you enjoy this panel that Chris did at DragonCon. I am Mel. I am part of the Weeden track, and I'm going to let my guests panelists introduce themselves, starting with Sean. Oh, yay. Uh, my name is Sean Hutchinson. I am a young adult author. My next book out is called We Are the Ants. It's about aliens and um, aliens. <laughs> uh, my last book was uh, an anthology I edited about a school shooting, and the one before that was uh, about a boy who lives in a hospital, and it is part graphic novel, um, which was pretty awesome and fun to do. And it's called The Five Stages of Andrew Raleigh. I might need to jot that down later. Hi. I'm losing my voice a little bit, so I might be a little quieter than you want me to be. Uh, Hopefully you guys can hear me in the back. By tomorrow, I definitely will sound like a 1-900 call girl. Um, Sorry. Not sorry. Um, My name is Tamsin Silver, and I write young adult urban fantasy that's not like Twilight. Um, Sorry, we were talking about this. Um, I write... uh, Young women in their early 20s, strong female characters, uh, protagonists who kick a lot of ass. Um, bless you. Um, uh, my new book is called Mark of the Necromancer. You know, Sabrina dies on page one and wakes up in the next page to be in a weird hotel, you know, in New York with some guy playing cards next to her. What? Right? See, you know, that's what happens when you drink too much. Um, but she, uh, she finds out she's a necromancer. She can travel the death highway uh, and help the dead as well as walk on the earth. And that's my new baby. Um, I also have a Windfire series, which is about witches and vampires and werewolves, oh my. Um, and that one is a little, it's written from good guys and bad guy perspectives, male and female. So, And last but not least, I write a web series called Sky of the Damned. Um, and uh, six of the episodes are online so far. We're raising money to do the seventh and final of the first season. And uh, check out my website, and you'll find the first three episodes there for me. My name is Chris Kwan. Can you, can you hear me? Okay. My name is Chris Kwan. I'm a podcaster. Uh, I have podcasts about Lost Girl, Killjoys, Dark Matter, and Orphan Black. Uh, Orphan Black podcast is called Tatiana. Ta- I can't talk. Tatiana is everyone. And I love her. Okay. Um, I want to start off with uh, asking our panelists, how do you define identity? Like, What do you think it's based on? You can go first. Oh, always. But I mean, that's the whole point of stuff. <laughs> and, and to some extent, working black. I mean, it's undefinable choices. Yeah, the, I'm gonna say word choices. That combination of choices and personality and or like your personality. You know when um. Anyway, you know when I can, I, I, can you guys hear me in the back? When um. When I, I mean, I've been watching. I watch, still, you got a really talking about my life. Hello. They're not omnidirectional, sadly enough. Well, the yeah, the ones in YA. If I got too close, they were all like, "Oh my god, my ears are bleeding." Um, when I first started watching Warp and Black and put it together, that it, you know, the, the uh, way it looked at identity and who we were was similar to Dollhouse. It really, for me, boiled down to you know, Dollhouse looked at. Identity as more a philosophical concept, as does identity exist independent of um, memory and uh, experience? And then Orton Black really looks at it as it is your experiences and memories that shape your identity. 
you know, you can you can start with the same model, essentially the same you know blank slate, and put them in you know a bunch of different places, and they're going to be completely different human beings at the end. Um, so, you know, but they also they all have a little bit different sequence on them as well, and does that affect it? Is a question. It's not just, and I think that's sort of the thing in in the show. They're wondering is it is it their sequence? Like each of them are a little different. Not much, but a little bit. Is it just that? Is it their environment and how they were raised? Because if it was just came down to one or the other, they'd have their answer. They wouldn't need to keep ca- trying to capture everybody and take their DNA um, and cut them up. So uh, I, I think it definitely is what you're saying. And I think it's a mixture of, of that as well. I agree with that. So yeah, trying to, di- trying to define identity. I mean, that's what the shows are trying to do. Right, I agree. I don't think they have. No, not yet. <laughs> I think they, they have their own way. Yeah. Okay. No, so. say, I mean, show, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean they like, do and they don't. I mean, they haven't gotten the final, like, but they're still showing showing how different they are. One of my favorite moments that really should, it's not even them speaking or anything. I just, as a director and casting person in, in theater, and the scene where they're all dancing in, in, in um, Felix's apartment. The clone dance. The clone dance. When the form, they're all dancing, they're all very different. And you can just, and you, you sit, you just watch. I could literally rewatch that scene over and I just watch the di- way that each character, because I'm really, I love the fact that I actually forget that the same girl playing the role. And, which is why I'm in love with this actress. Um, and so I, that scene in particular, I like to watch because I'm like, choices, choices that are made, the different personalities and how, how amazing it is to watch these, these four women who look the same, who are completely different. I love that about it. It's one of the scenes that just really hits me when we talk about how different and how they are. And that's what I, I love, actually, the opposite sort of about Dollhouse was you strip away all of their experiences and there's still something of the person left behind. Um, you know, that just, that's what really broke me in that series was, you know, you could strip away everything about them. You could, you know, load different people on top of, you know, these blank slates, and something of them still remain. And I, I think that that's kind of a, a magic, um, you know. And you can see that sometimes in you know, people uh, with amnesia. You know, they still remember how to do things. There are things that are still familiar. And I, I, I wonder, the show you know, Dollhouse made me wonder, is part of who we are, does it exist even if we are? All of our memories and experiences and, and everything are taken from us. And I, I like to think it does. Interestingly enough, this sort of happens, and I didn't even think about it till now. That's sad. Um, that in my Windfire series, that happens. My One of my characters loses their soul. And so they're stuck with just a certain kind of memory of like muscle memory and other things. And how much of their personality still shines through that is, is similar to what I saw in Dollhouse. I, it actually, it was funny. Um, when... Uh, first started watching Dawes, I was reminded there is the, the episode of Buffy that I love where they all lose their memories mm-hmm. and there's that really great scene uh, where I know Willow, where go. Willow where, goes I, I you know and I, I, I love that because you can clearly see that you know Whedon was he, he wanted to play with this idea of you know who we are exists without our memories for a while mm-hmm. and, it's also, and it's not a choice she just knows she is and that's another thing she's pointing out there and I love that Okay, mm-hmm. building on to that, um, when you look at the character of Echo in, or- in Dollhouse, <laughs> so she still has aspects of Caroline, but she has her own kind of, not very much in the beginning, but you can see as it slowly progressing as the two seasons went that she's developing her own personality. So do you think, do you, can you see Echo as a separate person? from Caroline and the imprints that are put on her, or as something that's grown from what's left over from Caroline? I think at some point during the series, they do actually say something about how the people in doll form are essentially like, it's you, but the, you know, without all the extra baggage. So they did have a line in there indicating that that was true, and I certainly see aspects of Caroline's character in Echo. The, the urge to free the the lab rats essentially is what's you know the, the main the revolutionary the series, so. part of it like to be involved and take you free everyone yeah mm-hmm. that, that's still very much the same 
I don't know, for a while when I first started watching it, um, I sort of was entertained by the idea that Echo was becoming this individual person. I kind of forgot about Caroline. Sorry, Caroline. Um, but I I totally forgot about her because I was so, I was so wrapped up in the idea that some, that, that she was starting to collect little bits from each of these people and she was starting Mm -hmm. to become someone completely different. And I was fascinated by that idea. I was like, where is he going with this? This is really cool. And so I got really involved in Echo being her own person. Um, in particular, I guess it's near the end of the first season when she hops out of that chair. Um, and uh, the Alpha Omega scene. Um, and it's just, and that's when I really, you're just cheering because you're like, yes, but you're right. It, she still has some of Caroline in there. Um, do I think it's an add on? No, I don't feel it's an add on to Caroline as much as I feel as it, it takes the center core of who Caroline is and, and, and then like builds around it. Does that make sense? Builds around it and pulls from it. It's a core. It, yeah, it's the essence of Caroline. It doesn't add on to her. We don't take who she is and, and give her all this stuff. She's the core, and we build around her. I was going to say, it's kind of like she branches off from Caroline. Yes. She takes the, the yeah, so Caroline's here in the center, and Echo is built around that. There's actually, there's, I'm going to, I'll jump genres uh, real quick. Um, one of the few really good episodes of Voyager, don't yell at me, um, was an episode called Tubix, where... Yes. Tuvok and Neelix, both annoying characters on their own, through a transporter mishap, are merged, and they create a completely separate entity, Tuvix. And what was great about that was, you know, it was pieces of each. Tuvix would not exist without the other two, without Neelix and Tuvok's. And, uh, you know, I sort of feel like Echo is the same. She would not exist without Caroline. She is Caroline, but... She is still her own separate identity, and the more personalities that they throw onto Echo throughout the series, the more she takes from those and, and adds to, to that personality. So I don't think you can separate Caroline and Echo and say that, that you know Echo is a completely singular, different person because she wouldn't exist without Caroline. But she is different because she has had different experiences right. through multiple, multiple personalities. Um, I think Okay, so, uh, um, oh, question. Oh, comment, really. I mean, like, you know, once Car- uh, Echo um, got Caroline, you know, back, I mean, Echo was even prior to that. Echo was, like, really mad at Caroline for, you know, giving, you know, her up and stuff. But even once she got Caroline, she didn't identify as Caroline. She was Echo. She said, I'm not Caroline. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, she says that a couple times. I'm not Caroline. I am Echo. So she completely takes on that new identity. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, Caroline's just, like, a facet. She is one of the many in there. Hence why. Do you think that that makes me um, go back to, I guess, the the permanent imprints, like Dr. Saunders or Senator Perrin, where they've been given this. Uh, personality, and they've been in it for so long that they think this is their actual life, and they've left them like that. So then, um, looking at that, um, that you've been living this, especially with Senator Pierre, he, he, I think for like a decade, he was living that life. I mean, when you look at that personality, it was something that was made, you know, it's not real, it's based on, I don't know, a cocktail of different traits and different, you know, mannerisms that they put together and put in there. But does that time that they've had there, that they that believes that they're, they are real. Does that give them kind of a, I don't know, a preference over the, the real person that's below that, the original? I think it's hard to say with Perrin because it was still based on him. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just a modified yeah. version of him. Yeah, better, better, quote unquote, better, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I wish we could have really seen a comparison between the, the old person. one and the new one. Well, the, well I actually, yeah. With, between the old parent and the new parent, but even between the old uh, Saunders, why am I blanking? Saunders, right? Saunders and Saunders. Whiskey, yes. Between, you know, who the, the, the personality originally was before it was imprinted. And I think that if we had, 
we had seen who Whiskey was before the imprint, we would have seen some of her original personality come through. She wouldn't have been exactly like Saunders. I, I, I believe that. Can't prove it because, you know, the show is over. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think we would, I think we would have seen that. I think that, you know, one of the things that Dollhouse wanted to say was that the, the person always bleeds through some, at least a little bit. Like, you are never completely gone. I'm so sad we never got more of Dr. Saunders. Or Whiskey. Whoever was. Whiskey. 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 Yeah. What was her original? Do we know what her real name was? Did we ever find out? I don't think for me, I think one of the things that always hit me when I found out that there was an original Dr. Saunders and it was a big old white old dude. And I was like, wait, what? And I was like, holy crap, how long has she been? Like, that's when I remember going, she was a dip- that was a big moment for me when they, when we started finding out about these long term instead of just the, okay, I'm giving you three years. Was it three years? Five. It's been a while, guys. Sorry. Um, and I own it, so my, my reasonings, I have no excuse. Um, but I always felt like, you know, okay, I can understand that amount of time, but they, we're not going to give it to you back. We're not going to send you back to your life, even though you put the time in. It, it wasn't so much that they were a permanent person that I was questioning as much as I was taken aback by the idea that the company just decided that we're just going to null your contract and keep you. And so called broken dolls. Broken dolls. And I was like, that's mom. Well, I wanted um, to yeah. see more of that. I wanted to see more of Rossum's Endgame, where they permanently took. Oh, you know they did to so many. And no, for their executives and, and gave oh, that gosh, yeah. I wanted to see the internal struggle as the, the personalities underneath, you know, came forward. And I, I, I don't know. I'm speculating that we would have gone there. Oh, I think he would have. Um, I think we eventually would have seen other dollhouses more, like because we started seeing them. I think he had plans of showing us like other dollhouses and seeing these permanent people. I think I think that definitely was something he would do with that question. You had a question, Beth? Yeah, I wonder about that. But then I'm not sure that you really did take your most of the You said before that it would have had time to develop from a scene and sort of reassert its own dominance with some new body. Like, one of the things that really scared me was kind of that thing. The characters were basically, like, taking on a new body and doing shit out of it. And then, you know, oh, at the end, the guy who would just get totally fat and then just switch it out. He was one of the main, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, they never got the chance to go, oh, wait, I'm really Bob, you know? Honestly, mm-hmm. I think was. Like, at some point, the last time I was thinking, I almost think, like, Josh scared himself. Like, at some point, I began to think, he wasn't going to give people ideas, but this technology really does become a mix. Well, at that point, they knew they were being ended, and they had to, like, just go for gold. Yeah. Um, I mean, they found halfway through, they found out halfway through they were going to be cut, but they were going to let them finish the season. Thank you. Uh, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> Firefly. So, um, <laughs> you know, so they, some people learn from mistakes. Um, and so they, they ended up laying and finishing out. And I think the reason that it, he just had to throw all, it's like, well, we were going to do all this and stretch it out over this time, but kitchen sink and everything, here you go. So I think that was sort of why you got it so heavy there in the end. More so than scared of it, but yeah, but really, do we want to give people the idea that this is an idea that we really want to pursue? This is an it's idea terrifying. that people are pursuing. I would say, shh. Don't scare them. Especially, um, it is very terrifying, especially when we get towards the end with the remote wiping. Uh-huh. Just the thought of it. Just... <laughs> You wonder why I don't answer the call on my phone if I don't know the number. <laughs> okay, um, easy. Oh, I have a good question. I will use that. Okay, so in Orphan Black, they have the Orphan Black code, or the Orphan Code, the Orphan Code, the Clone Code, and it's just one. I'm a few, no family, two, who am I? And then in, um, God, I just completely blanked. Dollhouse. Echo says, we're not anything. We're not anybody because we're everybody. So what do you make of this idea that being one of many, in a way, negates your sense of person or your sense of identity? It makes me think of a cult. One of many, but you don't have your own identity. Like, that mm-hmm. has that kind of feel to it. That's the first thing that came to my mind. 
Why not? What you're going for in the question at all? But that's what. Go ahead and go. Actually, has anybody read? Um, I'm gonna totally butcher his name. Um, Ramez Nam. Ramez Nam. There's a book called. Now I'm gonna completely forget it too. Anyway, the uh, if anybody has Google. I'm pretty sure it's wrong. I do, but I have Sprint, so I can't get crap. But it's here. it's a book about where uh, people can take a pill, and it puts wireless transmitters in your brain, and everybody is able to connect to everybody else, and so you are yourself, but you are everybody else as well. Um, I don't think that being everybody negates a sense of self. There, there's always a sense of, of who you are. Um, I am part of this panel. You know, we are part of this room, we are part of this hotel, but we are still, you know, individuals. Right. And I think that, you know, what what Echo was saying wasn't, you know, we're nobody, it's we are everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that she was negating the, the sense of her own personal identity or the identities of anybody else. Because if, if we didn't have... Ah, ah, Nexus. Uh, Nexus was the first book. Ramez Nam. Oh, I'm so close. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Um, I don't think she was negating the sense of self, because without a sense of self, how could we be everybody? It's true. Yeah, you really can't. It's, it's, uh, it's, we, would, we would be a sea of one-celled organisms. <laughs> it's true. Of course, yeah. the, the thing that Orphan Black, too, is the, the whole point is that it's completely upsetting their sense of identity. Like, it's, it's this big revelation. They didn't know that they were one of many, but now they have, and so throughout the series, they're, they're embracing the fact that they're one of many. And the one that did know the whole time, she is totally fucked up. <laughs> like, Rachel is a whole different ballgame of crazy. And, and my, yeah, I know the pencil in the eye, that's sad. In some ways, I cheered. We won't talk about how I'm weird. But, um, I think I, a lot of people cheered. I just, yeah. okay, good. I wasn't the only one who cheered when she got a pencil in the eye. Hey. <laughs> and, if that's, and if that's a spoiler, sorry. Um, but I, I think that I think that once they, I mean, the one that knew the entire time, she's just really messed up. So the question is, do you think that the? And I don't see it now, and I'm not. They're not doing it, but they're not all getting a little on as well at this point. But it is obviously something that affects them. But I think it affects them more in a positive way because they all feel protective of one another. Uh, whereas the caster kids, not nah, they. That's just weird. Well, because they're, 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 they don't have as much individuality. And I haven't actually. Because they were all raised together. I think yeah, that's what they were saying, together. right? They all were raised together, yeah. the same same woman, right? Yes. And I haven't been as happy with that storyline. I'm I really not as happy a, with it either. Like a, but... a 30 minute, like, Allison and Donnie spin off sitcom. Where <laughs> oh, they my God, where they just and kill and people and, people and they sell yes. drugs? Yeah. I, I, I hated show. Donnie, and now I adore Donnie. Um, I think the caster thing works in the sense that it's sort of. It serves as a, con as a contrast to the lead of Chloe. So, I mean, that's that's really the purpose it's serving as as its own storyline. It's it's weaker to me, but maybe think, that's part of it too. Are they? Are you think that maybe what they're trying to do is, or for people who are questioning and having issues, maybe they're showing, well, here's a difference. What we're going for. Do you think maybe that might be why they bought it in? Potentially. I mean, I, I mean, I, was it? Does anyone know if that was a plan from the beginning? I wonder if anyone's ever spoke to anyone who works on the show, but. Uh, that was a plan from the beginning, or no? They talked about having a three-year, three or five-year plan, depending on how the show was going over. So right. I, I do think this was something that they planned early on. I thought it was an odd choice to bring it in as soon as they did, but that's another that's another panel. Yeah, that's <laughs> another panel. Interesting. I think we answered that. I think with the the caster clones, it's interesting because. With the Lita clones, all of them were raised in a different environment. So then you can say, okay, there's a lot of um, nurture as opposed to nature that you know affects the differences, the differences in them. Because I think the, the difference in their genetic code is more of a tag thing than an actual you know trait in that's going to represent itself in how they act. But with the caster clones, they were all raised in the same environment by the same person, but yet they still have different personalities. Mark, yes. Mark is a definite There's similarities between some of them, but then some of them are completely different than the other ones. So then, I mean, what what changed that? I mean, what caused that? But I think you had a question. 
Well, I was just saying, we're also looking at this from the perspective of an individualistic society versus a more um, collectivist. Mm-hmm. I had it when I raised my hand. So there's something to be said about the perspective that we take on what our identity is because of the way that we view our culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other places that you know, my identity is very much tied to the person next to me and the people I'm in the room with. Is it that collectivist perspective? Yeah, when I was younger my personality would change on where I was located. If I was at church or if I was at school or if I was at home, it was a different version of me. Until I reached a certain age and realized that was bullshit. <laughs> so eventually you learn to the and I wonder if you know that's also thing. You know, eventually you are you we are looking at this like okay, well this is how our society is. That's true. I mean, it would be interesting, like you were saying earlier, to see what the dollhouses around the world would have looked like. I think and it would have been yeah. different in some ways. I, I of course, because the cultural things yeah. that that people wanted the dolls for would yes. would be different. Mm-hmm. But and I just looked at the, the picture. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying, has anyone on, on the internet seen that that post that goes all over Facebook about what they took one woman and they sent her a picture to different countries and had them Photoshop her what they feel is beautiful, right? Yeah. So I was about to say, different countries, different dollhouses, different things that are in, it would change completely. And then how does that affect how it then went globally? Like, it's a big difference. And now we're all like thinking on that. Um, <laughs> that's one. It also would have been interesting to see if the cloning experiment had started in a different country. What changes that would have made? In because it started in England. Well, no, that's what I like about. The, I mean, Dollhouse is so multi. You know, it's all over the world. I mean, right. Um, but I don't know. Like, I just don't think that the the Castor clones work. I mean, you guys have talked about, like, they had, like, really distinct personalities, and I just feel like they're all just, like, hyper-aggressive and rapey, and it really is bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the ones we've seen so far, yeah. I mean, other than Mark. Mark seems But even he right. is really, like, he's, a little he's got weird. That, that creepy, you know, vibe You know, but there was also a story, I mean, the point with Mark is that Mark did get separated from the rest of them. He had to go undercover, so he did get socialized differently than the others, because the others were not allowed outside attachments was... The phrase they use. So, I mean, the fact that they are creepy and rapey and weird—that's the point. But it's too on the nose for the show, where it's saying, you it know, is, well, they were all raised by the same person, and the the leader clones were not. Therefore, personality is dictated by nurture. I mean, that that seems that's to sort be of like seems to be what, what they they're want, trying to what say. They want to say, and that just feels too on the nose, which is why I don't think that the cast of clones work for me this season. That I complain about TV a lot. So. I, I, I sadly have not right. seen all of not, season three yet because I can only get so much watched before I keep a dragon con. Okay, um, you in the blue shirt. Um, I felt more like they were saying that when Captain Clone started out with the same genetics and the same environment, how long did his personality form? So as the clone was starting to interact more with the outside world, starting to see changes in the food, like the dragon so does it seem to be here for the perfect looks like the perfect start now we're going out and having experiences which is and it, it honestly and I will admit it may just move very I think it may boil down to I don't think the actor portraying the, the caster clones is as strong at, by far um, so maybe I'm missing some of the nuances of, of his performance, but that actually, is a good point. I actually just remembered there was a Tumblr post going around talking about how there is actually nuance that I think kind of gets a little bit lost, but mm-hmm. the caster clones, when they're on the military base, do act very, very similar, but you start to see more personality in them when they're not with either another military person or on the military base. When they're, like we saw um, Rudy and Seth out but there were there was more personality in those scenes because they were out. And how many caster clones have we seen so far? We've got. I know, but like the ones we that we've gotten to know, but we've not met. We've got what? The, four or five? Uh, let's see. Mark, Rudy, Seth, Parsons was the one who got the in the brain, and um, Miller was the was the military guy who 
basically had no legs. <laughs> and the baby. And the baby. Oh. What was the baby's name? Abel? Abel. Abel, thank you. Gene Abel, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, but, yeah, because we've only met five and there's nine females, so there's still ones we haven't met yet, I think. Unless I guess, you know what, like, when we're talking about identity, I thought that they're, they're really missing an opportunity with the Castor clones to explore, you know, masculinity and all these things. They explored femininity through the Lita clones, and I thought that was really awesome. And the, the, the Castor clones to this point, and they'll have next season, and the storyline's not done, you know, they all really seem like carbon clock. They seem like clones. Yeah. Um, the, the Lita clones don't seem like clones. I mean, we all talk about, like, oh, I thought they were played by a different actress, and I really did when the show first started. Whereas it's not, it's not the same with the Castor clones. And so I just, I'm not sure that the, what, it, what they have to say about the nature of identity is as clear or as interesting as what they have to say about identity with the Lita clones. And I wonder, you know, I don't know if this falls under that or not, but so the problem with the reason the Castor kids are sick is in the brain. I wonder if that's anything to do with why they're all sort of just more similar and a little messed up. Whereas, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So where their illness is falling is in a, in a place that changes and modifies personality and it means it brings everything. So I wonder if that has anything to do with I me. Mean, obviously, we'll find out as time goes on. But when I was thinking about that the other day, I was like, huh, their problem is they're sick in the brain, which makes sense considering what we've seen so far. <laughs> um, so I wonder... I wonder if that plays into it. Just me. I hope not. Just that would be a top out. Right. Exactly. But I'm just saying it's something to consider. <laughs> well, they're they're sick and twisted. Like they they've got a lot of really terrible behavior. Um, but the fact that they haven't said they haven't blamed it on that yet is right. I think, and great. I, I just hope they're not. And I don't think they will. But I wonder if it's something that they might. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Um, brown serenity shirt, and then you back. <laughs> I know, I was about to say, how many of them? I'm glad Captain Pisk a little bit saying, okay, well, then all the cash clones will raise identically. Because that's not actually entirely possible. Uh, my mother is an identical twin, um, and she and her sister were even though they're identical twins, which is genetically close to the one as you can get. Very different personalities. Raised in the same household, raised together. My grandmother was one of those, oh, let's dress them the same. And they turned out extremely different. Because I think that even if you're in that same environment, just by being separate, they were going to have slightly different experiences and they're going to make those deviations. Different friends, different classes, different. Let's say somebody, if that one woman who they called mother was not going to be the only one. Five or six boys and say they choose not to be potty training all five of them at once. female five at once there. There had to be other characters. There had to be other individual experiences. And I think even that slight deviation was enough to make the difference between Mark and Rudy. But are the differences enough? I don't know. I, I think that it does. I know I'm not my character to share. No, no, no. I mean, because I agree. I mean, I also know twins, and they are so wildly different. Um, I'm, I'm asking, are the, the differences between the Castor clones enough to be believable? The ads of the Castor clones, too, is basically military is extremely structured, yes. where they're, oh, yeah, make, let's make everybody as uniform and using that, you know, homogeneous as possible. <coughs> so I think you have to add into that when we talk about how they interact with the military in a military situation without, because there's a, a very laid out social structure of how to be in, in that environment, which any military person is going to behave in a very similar way in certain situations. Um, I think I saw a hand back there. You, you yeah, saw a question? This really more of a comment. Okay. We're talking about the identity of everybody in Right now, we're going to pass the phone. And I think it does kind of talk about the acting of the male actor that makes it come to the same. Already. Yeah, that it really, you know, and I'm amazed that you guys have the names because of all five of the passive phone phones. I mean, their identities are the one with the mustache,
that is more than just it's more than just how they which, by the way, was it not a total missed opportunity to have Enver, uh, and I can never pronounce his name. Enver Zokai. There you go. Play the caster clones. Oh, I know. It's so great. Like, well, that would that have been such... a bit of a... Well, oh, I totally would have seen it coming, and I don't care. Because <laughs> he would have been absolutely... You know, and some of the reason the caster clones might not seem that different might come down, and he's probably a lovely man, and I feel like he's a good actor, but it might be because... He's not as good at it as Tatiana is. And that's a possibility, too. I mean, good actors, even the best actors, have levels of what they do best. Um, but yeah, I'm a big Enver Jokai fan. He would have been amazing. I would have. Look well, I mean, on the same thing. You know, I don't know that the show would have been successful without Tatiana. Yeah. I'm tied, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a timing issue. We haven't seen as much of the cast of as we have True. of when we didn't get to know them individually, like one at a time, sort of the same way. Right. No, we, we haven't had as much time with them either, so we they don't started, get to see them. They started out bad. Like, we didn't even get, like, we didn't even get to see them good at all. So. I just feel like the, the Lita clones are like a nice, subtle, you know, chipping away at the problem of identity, and the Caster clones are a heavy mallet, and they're not as nuanced in terms of acting or in terms of, of what the writers are trying to tell us. And you think some of it's intentional? That's all I'm saying. No, I'm pretty yeah. sure it is. Yeah. Commentary on gender and such. We're going to talk about it on our podcast soon. <laughs> okay, um, White Shawl, you had a question? All that? Everybody's named after their clothing here. I forget what you said. It was something about... Um, Clones, second gen clones. Right, the chronicles they say maybe they're going to be born to the week and they chronicle the little one and they like six or eight years old and then they just murder their foster mother or something that they're going to be exposed to. And they're just, and they're just, they were born that way. And they have to find them. Just, you know, just part of their, the parties that they have to assert itself. They're definitely amazing. I wonder if they're that Eve 6, yeah. if they're wanting to go nature and nurture, um, too. The Eve 6 example is really good because the, the younger clones, their psychosis manifested a lot sooner than the older ones. And then that was a shock for the older ones because they thought, you're a clone of me. We have the same material. So why, why are you so vastly different than us? So that was, I love that. So, yeah. And yay, X-Files coming back. Okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about the morality of the science in both shows. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people got, people really got bent out of shape with Dollhouse. They were really, like, morality bent. Like, Joss put up with some people really climbing up his ass, basically, about the whole thing, about how, oh, they're, you know, they had a hard time selling it at first because they're saying, oh, so these are just people you sell and they're, they're whores and, you know, stuff like that. Well, and that was a, that was a that was the point. He yeah. made the audience complicit in what was going on. You know, if you were, if you rooted for for the people, um, if you rooted for you know Echo, you know, then you were part of what was going on. If you were enjoying the show, you were enjoying what was being done to her. It, it he made us complicit, and that makes people really uncomfortable. Yeah, and it does. It should. It should make them uncomfortable. Um, I've been getting, like, I wrote, I told you I wrote an anthology about a school shooting, and I'm beginning emails from people like, like, I want to say that, you know, they told me, they're like, I want to say that I like this, but it's really painful. And I'm like, it should be painful. Like, that, like that's the thing. You know, you should feel a little guilty reading this and feel a little bad, you know, reading this, because it's a horrible thing to talk about. But I'm glad you read it, and I, and I hope you'll tell people um, so that they'll talk about it. And I think that's what, you know, Joss Whedon wanted. He wanted us to feel terrible about what was happening um, and I certainly did oh no when I remember when the first season finished and um, the DVDs were coming out and Eliza was tweeting 
you need to see Epitaph 1. They never aired it. You need to see it. It's on the DVD. And it was the whole reason I went and got the DVD set, because I'd seen every episode and loved it. So I sit down and I watch Epitaph 1, and as it fin- the credits are going, and I'm sitting there, I'm telling you, mouth hanging open, just going, damn it, Joss. Because I'm like, holy sh- this is where he's going. Oh, my God, he's brilliant. Like, I was just blown away. I couldn't do anything. Just sit there and be like, this is heavy shit. Like, this is more than the TV at the time can handle. I mean, nowadays, I think, sincerely, I think nowadays that Dallas would do better. Uh, but at the time, I just thought, I was like, wow, let's see if they let them keep this up. And I was so happy that they, at least when they ended, they did Epitaph too, um, Because I, I really just... I mean, the other other episodes were, were some more funny, some were, if Enver Jokai can dance like Daisy again, that'd be awesome. That was Daisy, wasn't that the name of the character, or something like that, I don't know. Anyway, um, but I, I really thought that Epitaph 1 and 2 just kind of was like, look, nail, coffin bound, <laughs> you know, and, and it was, it's what made the biggest effect on me. Like, the rest of the episodes I enjoyed. Kiki, thank you. It was um but God, forever I will see that in my head and be happy. Um, but um, <clears throat> but I thought that uh, that those episodes in particular, I felt, did that for me. They made me sit back and like, because I was just enjoying the series. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. This is great. I love what they're doing. I love how this is building as a writer, as an actor. And, and then we get hit with Epitaph 1, and I just go, oh, now I see. Holy crap. And I think that's where we really get hit with the, where people go, oh even more so than they were before. So for me, that was that was something for me. And I really realized my step back and went, oh, the implication. I wasn't letting myself think big enough. I was just enjoying the show. And then that made me feel like, I was like, oh, I'm going to go sit over here in the corner. It's actually kind of interesting. I, I'd read stuff about the show, like the premise, what they were going for before the series started, or as the series was starting. I was actually kind of disappointed by the first batch of episodes because I just, I felt creeped out by it. I didn't like it. And then we got the episode where they start to go into the conspiracy and I'm like, okay, here's what I've been waiting for because this is the part that I'm interested with. It felt like it needed a little time to get on its feet. Like, they were trying to figure that all out. Well, it's like, because they were setting up this whole premise of, okay, here's what is happening or here's what they do day to day. But to me, it just, it took too many episodes to get to the point of, Okay, here's here's the bit of conspiracy theory. Here's you know, what we there's this creepy stuff going on. They finally address it. You know, a, a third or half of the way into the season, and I just they should I have done that by sooner. episode two or three. I think they should have hinted to that by like at least episode yeah. three. Finally, give Joss the reins. Episode six was really the Yeah, yeah. Rewatching it, I was just kind of like, oh. Oh, oh, I forgot yeah. about I this. I feel so gross right now. <laughs> if you hadn't felt gross, what would that have said? I mean, would it have been effective? Because he, I mean, they are running essentially a, a, a mental prostitution ring. I mean, they are, you know, selling people's bodies and brains. If you didn't feel a little grossed out by watching it, I don't know, like... They just, they, for me, they took too long to address that. Well, I think that was a Fox issue, because yeah. they sort of wanted five pilots to explain the concept. Um, and, you know, Gee, Fox. what, Fox? Really? No. They ruined something? You lie. Lies, lies. But there's definitely, like, a morality, you know, there. Oh, even though, sure. like, Very much. Like, even though it seemed like they had a lack of morality, um, you know, what they did and what ended up happening, why am I going to forget his name? He's my favorite character. Um, oh, we no, it's the, it's Topher. Topher <laughs> starts out so I've been like doing this all Dragon Con. I think I'm gonna go have like my brain cuts. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it drives him into this guilt spiral oh, by the end, and you know, and he's one of the people that acts the most not touched by it at the beginning, yeah. and yet he's the one that spirals the hardest later. I actually think Dollhouse's morality is a little more gray, which is weird. Very. I just want to say that the problem with that was Topher, and I love him. I do think he's a good person, but the problem with that is I don't think he really turns like that until he sees the, like, oh, they're creating an army ramifications. I don't know that it's a real moral 
issue for him even then. And then, of course, he's then reading about the Senate and all the other crap. And, and so I don't, I don't really know that it's the same. You know, yeah, places. and I, I don't, I think the problem with a lot of problems with with the last few shows and with the things that happened is that it was you know probably five seasons worth of story arcs condensed into but, like you know ten episodes. I would have liked to have seen Topher struggle more because he really had a childlike sense of of immorality and you know his response you know to go crazy and then kill himself you know yeah. help save the world was yeah. They were toys. They were, cool. they were the toys for a long time. He didn't have to together. Right. He was okay with it. They were toys. They got wrapped up in the science of it, you know? That was... Well, it, it, yeah. it's, uh, you know, they do it, but he's not thinking, you know, is this the right thing to do? Right. Because it's about the science. It's not about morality. It's the science, which we said. What I'm saying is that I also... <laughs> yeah. Which means that we go into... But look, let's turn that... And or from black, yeah. and think about the people that also in that way. Think of Rachel's parents and how they focused on the science of it. And even though they were raising their daughter and they loved her, I mean, how much was it love of her and love of the experiment? Exactly. Yeah. So that that's why I was mentioning that you repeat yourself. Well, there's I a was real like, world. Wait, like there's a real world example about that. I, and I'm, I don't know his name, but it was a uh, a guy who raised who bet he could raise uh, a chess grandmaster. And so he had two daughters, and he and his wife raised them specifically, homeschooling, everything. And I think they're the number two and number three chess players in the world. You know, it was an experiment. Was what he did wrong? He he raised two, you know, world league chess players. Um, What? I'm sorry, I'm cringing. I'm like, that's why I'm looking at Jump Gun, because I didn't actually know about this. So he's seeing me actually learn and react. Like the orphan black, you know, they're, 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 Morality is so much more great because you know Rachel's parents raised her. Mm-hmm. Yes, they loved her. Well, we think they loved her, but did they love her because they loved her? Or did they love her because she was an experiment? And is there a difference? Are we all love our her parents because experiments? Both, you know, apparently disappointed. In my case, is my mom would say because I'm not a doctor. I was going to say, I think Topher very much like the plan he took the end of Manhattan Project. It was a really cool experiment to think they could get together and how do I do this and how do I make it better? And have you ever been in a room with lots of engineers? What happens? Um, and the ramifications of this don't actually apply to anything until somebody actually applies it. And right, it's all about what can I create, how can I make it better, not thinking about what it can be used right, for. And how far can I take this? And oh, look, I didn't realize that could happen. And then the Manhattan Project went by, and, well, I'm sure everyone here can get the quotes from that. Uh-oh. Not at the moment. I'm going to wait Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> but maybe about five days. It was essentially a lot of that was people. But they finally realized how bad it was, and all of them regretted it immediately after. What I thought was interesting, though, also with Topher, is that He's really into the science, and he really wants to figure out. He wants to figure out the problem, and then he hides the thing. Like he's figured it out, and then he realizes, oh, this could be used badly. But he still created it. It's because he just couldn't stop himself from figuring out the problem. And I have a I have a good friend who is she has a master's in information systems. She helps do that for the government. Like that's what she does, and that's all I know about her job because. Other than the CIA coming to my job to interview me. <laughs> so tell me about Angie. So did she ever drink? Did she ever, she was in college. What do you think? <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where some people, it's all about figuring out, figuring out that problem, getting it, you know, finding that answer, not thinking about the bigger scope of what it will be used for. And Orphan Black talks about that too, because, um, what's his name? The real father of Kira. What's his name again? Cal. Cal. But I've only seen so far. If something else has happened, he's shitty later. Don't tell me. Um, oh, God. Of course. He's a so club. Whedon's involved in this show, too. Um, um, but he says, you know, I made, like, when they, I mean, we find out later he's wealthy as all hell. But, made, but I kind of guessed that anyway, since he never was going to a job and seemed to have all this money. Um, but he says he created something in, for bees, and then they ended up using it for the military. Um, so that's another sense of create, make, make this really cool thing for something and it being used and not thinking about the ramifications of what else it can be used for. 
So both shows kind of talk about that a little bit. More so, I think, with Dahas, but still. We've been talking a lot about um, Topher and how, you know, in the beginning, he was so focused on the problem, well, fixing his little puzzle and playing with his science that he didn't realize the ramifications. And that made me think of um, Rachel's father, whose name I can't remember right now. Ethan Duncan. Ethan Duncan, thank you. And that scene when he tells Rachel that they made all of the clones sterile on purpose, like they had caused this, potentially caused this, this problem that's going to end up killing them. And the way he told her, he was so calm and so matter-of-fact about it. Like, well, Sarah's the one that's wrong. She's the broken <laughs> yeah, one. You're supposed to be sterile. And, yeah, we're supposed to be this way. Like, and he just even so realized yeah, what he's done. And I think she's angry partially because she's realizing how much of an experiment she was to her parents. Yeah, so just, she wants children. Yeah. Well, she probably thought she was the special one all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she knew. She's and she finds out that she thinks Sarah's a special one. She's like, no, she's broken. <laughs> yeah. So then, Which yeah. floored me, actually. I thought it was... I thought it was going to be something else. When he said that, I was like, ow. That's going to make some Whenever sense. it's clear that, yeah, Sarah was originally supposed to be our kid, but she disappeared, so we took you instead. Wait, what? What Did I miss something? That was part of Sarah. Sarah was supposed to be their, their special kid, but she got snatched up, put into the system, and Rachel was their backup. I missed that completely. Surrogate mother Amelia. Yeah, I missed that. I missed that completely. Whoa! What? Oh. Okay, so Amelia, the surrogate mother, she she realized that the scientists were conducting an experiment, so she absconded while pregnant, and then gave the babies one to the government and one to the church. And so craziest church ever. But she was carrying that child for the Duncans. She had that photo with her. That was the photo of the Duncans. So Sarah was Sarah and Helena were supposed to go to the Duncans and they took a phone. Did I just blow your mind? A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) And I suddenly feel a little bad for Rachel and I don't want to feel bad for Rachel, so now I'm having a problem. No, but I love that every time those two girls get together and they find that all hell just breaks loose and they just, somebody's going to die. Like, the minute they brought her, I was like, oh, someone's going to die. And I should, I know, I look happy about it, right? I'm, I write young adult urban fantasy. What do you want? <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about that. So, uh, the gray morality of Dollhouse. I don't think we talk as much about the morality of the science of Orphan Black and... I think the interesting thing they've done with Orphan Black is that they've made one of the main characters that you're really, really rooting for a scientist. So they've sort of brought it in that way. So it's it's not a black and white issue at all. And one of the one of the characters you really are also rooting for is psychotic. How many people here love Helena? How many of us love Helena? <laughs> and she's killed how many people? And she's totally just warped in the head. But for some reason, we all just root for her by season they, two. They showed her some love, and now she's better about it. Now, yeah, she's she's doing now she's it. killing people to protect. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's it's but that's also a thing. Like one's a scientist, like they choose that, and we all we all tend to. And art is there, I think, to remind us because he goes. Hello, she's killed people. Like she, all of a sudden, will remind us. Hello, she's killed people. She's not. But we're, and all we can think. Of, I she's know. Not, she's not as. She's not like Grant Ward annoying. Oh, like, <laughs> like if they ever try and redeem him, I'm gonna quit that show. Me too. Oh, they're um, not. He's taking over Hydra, man. He's gonna start it all over. I have a feeling. But I wish they would. <laughs> the shoot. Oh wait. If I'm gonna ruin this for anyone, if you've not seen the end of season, if you've not seen the end of the season, plug your ears. Because um, when, when he shoots, <laughs> when when Grant or when he Grant, when he, when he shoots, you know who he shoots. I, I want to yeah. give right. And then he realizes all I can think was, and that's what you get, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that was something that I never thought he would have shot and killed her. Not not meaning the oh god, this gets yeah. confusing. Hey, do you understand? Okay. That was a big shock for me because I literally still was thinking that maybe there was a little bit of Grant Ward that was not was completely not evil. completely evil. I seriously, I thought he was, and when that happened, that for me was the line cross when he shot her, and then it was done. Anyway, you can 
We're good. <laughs> and I didn't even say the person's name, but so I did well. Purple shirt. Is this a shield question? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Because if it is, like, we, we have to go back is, to our No, if we can, you can ask the shield question. I just want to know if it is, then we need to warn the people who don't want to be spoiled. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who does uh, on shield? Who do they root for on Dancing with the Stars? about Kasima. I thought it was interesting in season one she sounds like she's almost on death's door and by season two all of a sudden that treatment's starting to work and she's fine. I'm very confused. I mean obviously I'm only halfway, I'm only partway through season three. Oh, Shush. Yeah. Oh, she died? She dies. No. Okay. Just, just stop and talk. I tell you, it's his fault. No matter if it's his show or not, it's always Joss's fault. And I love him dearly but because everyone's like, well, Joss does this, and people still love his stuff. <laughs> and no, I haven't seen it, so I mean, yeah, whatever. And if I learn it, I learn it. To me, I'm one of those people that's like, I don't care if I know the end. For me, it's the journey. So, But so far, where I've gotten, that's the case anyway. Never mind, since I don't know the end, I'll shut up. So I um, wanted to add on to what you were saying, Sean, with um, doing, you think you're doing the right thing, but it really isn't. Because it's not just Cosima, it's also, you see that in Helena when she's killing all the other clones because she thinks they're abominations. You see it in um, the caster clones and their support network, their, you know, pseudo-mother and Paul. They think they're, what they're doing is going to help save them. So even though what they're doing is completely wrong, they're, they're trying to do it for the right reasons. Whereas... Um, I do like the contrast between that and Dollhouse, where you see pretty much everybody by season two. Everybody that we know is working within the house. We don't really have, I mean, in the beginning we had Paul, who was trying to save Caroline, but then he ended up joining the organization. So That was a little <laughs> weird, right? So it's like everybody works for the house. Everybody's working, you know, within the organization. So it makes it a little, <laughs> the morality a little more strong. Yes, good point. Yeah. You're either you're either work for or you're a client of Rossum. Have they ever have they ever said whether or not Paul was a doll? Well, he technically was a doll by the end. By the end. They had to recreate part of his brain or because part of his brain was damaged. So they had his to sort of root around, they had to root around it and they removed his love of Echo Caroline from from that because they had to take something away from it. But even before I thought he was Doll. No. If you're trying to control something as big as that, it would seem to me that it makes sense to place a doll and have that doll message so that you can control like what they do with Senator Perrin. Right. But, but, but he got so much and I, I, I don't know. In terms of canon, they never said because Topher put doll architecture into his head to save his life. So in terms of the show, like he never said, oh, there's already doll architecture here. So, canon-wise, I, I I would say no, but... <laughs> would you believe it's two minutes after five? All right. <laughs> Where'd that go? That's like, All right, then. Thank you so I much, everybody, for coming to the panel. Um, yeah.
And we'd love to hear your thoughts about this discussion. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes over at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 86. You can send us an email to feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can record a voice memo using your smartphone and email it to us. Or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. And we would still love to hear if y'all have any suggestions for topic ideas to do over the hiatus. We are planning to probably alternate longer kind of hour-long or so discussion episodes with maybe some shorter episodes where we talk about one itty-bitty little micro-topic. So if there's just one teeny-tiny thing that you've been thinking, I'd love to hear some people talk about this, but it you didn't feel like it was maybe long enough for one of our full at-length episodes, go ahead and send it in. Like, you know, what was up with that sign at the back of the room that one time? Do you have any thoughts on that? Stuff like that. That's fine. We'd love to get some more tiny questions as well as bigger topics. And again, send us those via email is the best way. Feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com. We're so glad to be back. We will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.